everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. So stop me if you have ever had this kind of situation in your life. You're in a scenario, you're trying to make a decision, you're meeting with somebody, and all of a sudden you get kind of a a weird feeling. Maybe in the words of Spider-Man, like kind of spider sense tingle. Everything looks normal, but my spider sense is tingling like mad. Or maybe in the words of Han Solo, you've got a bad feeling about this. I have a really bad feeling about this. Or maybe it's just kind of like a sixth sense. There's just some sort of sense or feeling that something is off. Now, some people call this a conscience, or some people call this like intuition or your gut or your instinct. But here's the question. Is that, is that God? Is that God trying to get your attention? Is that God speaking? And if so, how do we know? How do we make sense of that? That's the question we're diving into this week. Is that God or is that just the bad carnitas chipotle burrito that you ate for lunch? By the way, why are you going to Chipotle in the Bay Area when we have so many other better taco places? Why not go to La Vic's or La Cueva? I mean, you know, really, come on. Let's, uh, let's at least be smart. Let's be wise in our decisions about Mexican food in the Bay Area, right? Am I right? So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the conscience, the the third of the five questions that we've been going through, the, the, the tension question. Is there a tension I should be paying attention to? We're here with Steve Clifford, and we're going to talk about that tension and what that tension is. Is it the conscience? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it just us? And we're going to dive into that. So stay tuned because we're going to dive into that right now. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. Um, here with Steve Clifford. Steve. Yeah. Hello. Good to see you. Thanks. Good to be here. All right. So um, first of all, I just want to start off. This week, we talked about um, kind of the tension within. Um, this is kind of the fourth. No, the third question. The third question. Third question. And the first one was, am I being honest with myself? Really? That's about honesty. We talked about how that's kind of foundational. None uh-huh. of this really works if you lie to yourself. Yeah. The second one's about legacy, right? Uh, think story, not options. Right. So when you're making big decisions, don't think about, hey, what's the best option? But rather, what's the best story I can tell with my life to be Christ-honoring, leaving a legacy of, of faith and such? And then this week is, is there a tension that deserves my attention? The idea is that sometimes, uh, Andy Stanley wrote, if there's something in you, something you can't put your finger on, or perhaps some something someone else has put a finger on that bothers you about an option you're considering pause and pay attention to it. That tension may very well be God's way of protecting you. It may be his way of waving you off from a decision you'll later regret. So, so first of all, I just want to ask you, have you ever, you're an instinct guy. You kind of run with your gut. Yeah. yeah. And even a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about, um, am I being honest with myself? We talked about emotions and your heart. And um, a couple of re- uh, listeners, like Ryan Wong, kind of wrote in and said... Hi, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan's a good friend. He said, hey, talk to me about the difference between heart and gut. And I was like, listen, I'm going to ask Steve that because Steve, you're a gut guy. You're an instinct guy. So this one is really prescient and really important for folks who are kind of operate on instinct and gut, which is not me, because that's kind of you. How do you think about... Have you ever had a moment when your instinct and your gut has been like, ding, 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 like spider sense tingle? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I differentiate between the two. Um, hmm. Maybe we should have talked about that before we got online. But <laughs> um, to me, gut and heart are probably the same. Oh, really? It's the, the center, the center of your decision-making process, your will. Yeah. Um, Gary Brashears calls it our control panel. Our control panel. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Willard kind of calls it the, you know, the the soul. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the 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 center of what's going on. So there might be some distinctions in that. My gut might be less emotional, but that's probably more personality driven than yeah. a differentiation between the heart and the gut. Um, but certainly, I have had. So here's a here's a here's the thing about this week, is that it is my conviction, and I think it's the teachings of the scriptures. That there is a thing called the conscience. Yeah. And that if you think about this, um, it, it lays out as a loving God has hardwired us with the equipment to communicate with him on a regular basis. Now, we never think about our conscience that way, or rarely do. We always think about our conscience as this little annoying voice that everybody has and that, um, you know, we... The Jiminy even, Cricket, we right? Don't really want the to angel to. on the shoulder, yeah, right? That's that's the image. But ima- just to imagine if possibly, if there is a good God in heaven who has designed us exactly the way we are, uh, and he has hardwired us for relationship, and primarily relationship with him, and that's his strong desire, but he leaves that choice to us. The scriptures use the imagery that when we, when we come to Christ, our conscience is indwelt, we're indwelt with the Spirit, and then suddenly there's this guiding and helping and teaching and directing um, that the conscience does that um, it's just fascinating to me that we actually have right inside of us. All of us, all of us hear that little premonition. We hear that voice, however we describe it. Um, we're hesitant to, to call it a voice because we're afraid that kind of moves us towards the whack, crazy people, but the truth is we hear something that, that gives us a premonition towards some things. And um, I think most of the time we just kind of learn to ignore it. And, yeah. we, and you can. You can simply ignore it. You, it's, not a, it's not something that you know, stops your arm from moving. It's right. not something that closes your mouth to keep you from saying the word. It's just this, it's just this reminder, don't, don't speak that way. That's harsh. Don't say that. Right. And we sense it. But we're too we we did we're we're preconditioned, I think, to ignore it. Yeah, one of the things that was interesting, even in prepping for this message, was the philosophical work done by Christians over the ages about what is a conscience, what does it mean, and um, a couple of definitions that kind of even just emerged, even as I was studying, and we can delve into this. Uh, one of them was the inner voice that guides one's behavior. That was one way uh, a philosopher defined it. And then kind of Christians layer on this, right? They, they Some Christians say it's actually a vestige of the Imago Dei, the image of God stamped on us. Uh, another say it's kind of the work of, uh, of God's voice trying to connect. Uh, C.S. Lewis famously said that uh, one of the things that's important to understand is he even frames in Mere Christianity, which is his tome on this, that there's a moral voice that kind of talks to humans. You know? And this is, uh, what does he say? He says... Um, Human beings all over the earth have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way and can't really get rid of it. It's his moral argument that there's this moralness that is stamped. Now, that doesn't mean it's in, um, 
for example, you know, I was looking through, you know, even verses on, on the conscience and uh, it, the conscience can be seared. You know, Paul talks about that in Timothy. Yeah. You can act, if you ignore that voice, it gets quieter or is seared, but also the conscience can be cleansed. Hebrews 12, one says exactly. it, Acts 23 says it, that when God's spirit comes in us and then we submit to God, that somehow that conscience and the Holy spirit link up in ways it can convict us our um, the conscience can convict us of what we've done is wrong, that we need to turn to God, right? That's Romans 2 and Romans 9. It can guide us, right? Job talks about this, and yeah. my conscience is clean within me. I, I have not violated my conscience. So there's all sorts of weird nuances, and it's also difficult to talk about the conscience in the Old Testament context before the Holy Spirit is kind of readily available in humanity versus in the New Testament. It, it's probably easier to talk about it. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't say and I wouldn't say the Holy Spirit before the Holy Spirit was readily available. I think the Holy Spirit's always been as available as it is. I I think what the work of Christ does is allows the Spirit to indwell us. Oh, well, that's what I mean. And 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 redeems us in the innermost part. Yeah, I, I just yeah. want to make sure I was sure. We were clear about that for others. So here's the deal: Don't tell me what you believe. Tell me what you listen to. Oh, tell me what you listen to when the voice, when the inner voice speaks. Yeah, because. Belief in the in the biblical understanding of belief is something is is something that I believe to the point that I act on it as if it were true. Right. And so, um, the Oxford Dictionary says, and it, this is you know a non Christian resource. It says right. that the conscience is an inner feeling or voice viewed as an acting as a guide yep. to the rightness and wrongness of one's behavior. Yeah. And so yep. th- that that gives insight. We say we say that yeah, it's it's more blessed to give than to receive. But the truth of the matter is, every time we're prompted to be generous, we're never generous. <laughs> so we can say we believe that, but we don't believe it. Right. We we believe that we we got to get ours, and nope. and be you know and and guard that because uh, we can't be generous. That there's way. there's also the sense. Um, there's one definition I read. It said the sense or the consciousness. Of the it, it goes along with your definition. The morality of one's conduct, one's intentions, or one's character. And then they added this, together with a feeling or an obligation to do what's right. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a sense in which it's like Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder trying to get you to go on the path of righteousness, right? And um, so this is, a, this is available, it seems, to all humans, or... I believe so. Right. It, um, the difference with with the Christian is that is that there's an extra resource added to the voice, right, of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, and that we can learn to listen to it. You know, Paul says in Acts twenty four, I strive always to keep my conscience clear. So it's, right. this word right. for strive is to train and to right. to, to, to exercise it. And I think, you know, as I've during my preparation for this week, it's been very challenging because I look back over things that um, I was just recently with a, a number of different pastors from the whole Bay Area, mm-hmm. and there were several there that said that I had spoken at just the right time into their lives and then get brought encouragement or some other things into their I don't even really remember. Most of the time, I didn't even really remember <laughs> saying what they said I said, and I'm glad it was helpful, but I mean, it was it clearly wasn't me. Mm. I mean, it... It's the process of I, I'm trying to I, I, I'm trying to train myself in such a way that when I get this this sense that mm-hmm. I should 
that I should contact somebody or call them or encourage them, then I try to act on it right away. And so I keep things in front of me to, to allow the Holy Spirit to prompt me, like lists of people that I pray for. Right. Um, and I put them in places where I'll see them on a regular basis. Right. My journal. Right. My calendar, when I open it up in Google Calendar, um, you know, my task list is right there on the side. And my task list is not a task list. It's a prayer list. Yeah. And so, and then if, as I work my way through those things, is I'm not really that I'm not very good at remembering who to pray for, but yeah. I'm, but I can read, right? <laughs> but I'm good. At, so I, I just read through that list and, and say, God, I, you know, I commit these folks to you. And, and then when I have a sense, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give dad a call and, and sure. or I'm gonna send dad a little note just to let him know I appreciate him. And, you know, I spread that out. I, I just think that what an exciting privilege that is. And so this past week when I was with those pastors, I actually heard people from that remember things from 2008 through 2013, 2017. I mean, literally, they came up to me and gave me the date when I sent them something. And I'm, I'm like, I don't even remember doing that. It was so clearly Holy Spirit-driven, mm-hmm. conscience-inspired. Yeah. And what I, what I come out of this if you are a Christ follower, this adventure, yeah, this adventure that God invites us into, that He promises He'll give us the resources for, um, and pro- give us the right promptings and give us the right names and, and divinely orchestrate appointments and opportunities where we can speak into eternity for folks. Yeah, just in a, just a little bit of encouragement, just a little bit of a a kindness that I don't, I wouldn't naturally do. I'm consumed with my own yeah. schedule and my own agenda and my own things. And, um, and just to have some mechanisms in your life where you could just very practically allow God to give, bring other people to mind yeah. and then respond is a, is a cool thing. Yeah. It's a cool thing. And it, I was, yeah, I want there's two, there's two other things I want to talk about, but it just reminds me like, even in Isaiah 30, um, God is talking about his people, what he desires. And he says, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity, he's talking about these people who are going through it right now, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you'll see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God says, like, I want to guide you. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to guide, I, I will be with you. I'll help you. And that's an incredible thing. But, okay, now let's let's talk about, um, the weirdness of this, okay? Because we're talking about God talking to humans. Yeah. And let's be honest, whenever somebody comes up to you and says, God told me to say this to you, immediately you're like, prob- a lot of times it's like, uh-oh, yeah. uh-oh, this yeah. is weird. Because yeah. that's gone, that's weird. Because it can it's be. It's not only weird, I mean, it is strange, um, but I mean, it's not that strange when you think about it, what it is, though, is that it can be spir- it can be spiritual mani- manipulation. Totally, you know, and just baptizing. You, you don't, what I want using spiritual language. Yeah, you don't. What what can you say? Yeah. You, no, you don't wrong. really have any recourse. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't. God told me to tell you. No, He didn't. Well, how can you? You know. You know <laughs> right. You know. Um, and so it, I I I almost never. I, I don't want to say never, but I try not to ever use that language. Sure. Um, but you've heard people come up to you and say that, right? Oh man, they've had wonderful plans. 
according to God. What um, percentage of those conversations, when somebody comes up to you and says, I have a word for the Lord from you, what percentage have turned out in your estimation to be like, wow, that was really powerful. I really think God's doing something. And what percentage are like, uh, I think you're nuts. Well, I Is mean, 50, 50, the, the, the same thing, <laughs> the same parameters that you and I both gave folks to, di- to discern uh, the voice of our conscience. Yes. You know, um, the word of God, his people and his people and his spirit and his spirit. Right. I use the same thing sure. for for people who say they're bringing me a word. I have had people speak over my life supernaturally. I don't have any other explanation for it. They have said things, and then either the word of God has affirmed them in such a clear way, or another person has come and said the exact same thing. Right. Or um, I sense in my spirit that this is something I need to listen to. So, right. it, it, so I. Well, tr- you trust their walk. You know these people for sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, they, sure. I've got a history with them. That's trusting God's people, um, right? But yeah. there have certainly been, you know, some some situations where I felt like they were asking me to do something that I had already received. What I felt like was a word from my conscience or a word from the spirit that gave me clear direction, and they were asking me to, to change it and go a different way. And I would quickly pray, God, I'm open to hearing this. If, right. if you need to change me, man, make that ev- you know evident to me. And there's been no evidence of that, and then I just continue to move on. So right. there's certainly been some times when... And then there's other times when they're, they're obviously asking me. I, I, I've got so many weird, weird stories. That would be a great <laughs> afterwards sometime it would freak people out probably but it's obviously so weird or so violate some of my covenant relationships that I, I there's no way I would do that you know so it kind of violates scripture well it violates scripture it violates my wife it violates what? all kinds of things people people can use God's name wow. to do all kinds of violations yeah let's yeah let's just leave it right. at that okay so Again, we're talking safeguards for how to determine whether it's God speaking, your conscience speaking, mm-hmm. or whether it's just you baptizing your own desires and your own proclivities using spiritual language. And the the safeguards, the guardrails are God's word. Um, the idea is that it would never, God would never ask us to violate his word. Right. Um, and we can talk about that and argue that, you know. Um. Like, for example, um, someone came up to me. I had a conversation with someone. Um, Finney was talking, um, you know, about this. Um, Finney, um, our local compassion pastor, was asked by the city to come and pray over a council meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And so he opens up, hey, I'm from Westgate. We're so grateful for you guys. Uh, we want to work for the flourishing of our city. Um, we have all sorts of things. We partnered with you guys. Deeply appreciative. And then he, he prays. As he walks out, somebody's there. It's a protester, and they say, you failed Christ. You have betrayed Christ because you did not speak overt condemnation over all those godless atheists, right? And Finney is like, no, 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 no. As I read the scriptures, I am called to be kind and compassionate and winsome. He talked about Paul going mm-hmm. to Aropagus mm-hmm. and uh, Mars Hill and speaking winsomely. Um, making a entreat and Paul's commands to be kind and compassionate to to all. And so for Finney, he's saying, listen, I'm not going to violate Scripture. <laughs> and what I see is the outworking of Scripture um, to 
the demand to be Christ-like above all, just so I can accomplish your, you know, political ends or whatever it might be. That's mm-hmm. that's an example of, you know, Finney working through that. Sure. You know? um, and there's lots. There's lots of different examples. So God's word is, and then also Finney doesn't have a relationship with this guy. It's right. like it, he's not in any sort of covenant community. They don't have relationship. They're not in the same church. He doesn't even know this guy. So that the idea that you know, it's if you had said that to him, it would carry way more weight. Do you know what I mean? Sure. He would be like, "Whoa, I got to really check myself before I wreck myself." Um, and also, it kind of he's like, as I was praying, I didn't, I didn't feel like that was supposed to. I was supposed to do that. So there's not the in, internal validation as he prays with God in his own community. So those are kind of the safeguards we're talking about. Yeah, and of course, there's disagreement over what the Word of God teaches. Yeah. Um, we, we can have conversations about we that. We can have conversations about that. but And we might come to different conclusions. <laughs> probably will. I mean, we, we, there's a really good chance, uh, which is why we have hundreds and hundreds of denominations <laughs> in the United States. Right. Um, but uh, that being said, there's still this overarching... Uh, arcing, arching... Overarching. Overarching um, narrative yeah. of a good God who's in love with the world and longs to redeem it yeah. and to make it new individually one at a time. And then at some point in his sovereign plan, he will redeem the whole planet. So let me ask you a question. Has there, has there been a moment or have you had, think about a story when either you or someone that you're in, in relationship with, they've had a check. They've had that tension. They've had that man, the whole, ah, I don't think this is right. And they either have paid attention to it and it's turned out or they haven't. And it's, it's been bad. Like, cause I think people also, you know, I want to get practical here. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I shared the story of, you know, selling a motorcycle and uh, there was a check. I just, I had a very strong check in my spirit that, um, I shouldn't let this guy ride it. And of course, you know, the story, he wrecked it. He wrecked the motorcycle. Um, so you're trying to sell your Harley and you were, weren't even sure about that. A guy comes up, you're not, you're pretty sure this guy doesn't know how to ride. And he goes to borrow your motorcycle. Not to borrow it. it. It's taken te- on a test, test drive. drive. And he, and, and he, he had a motorcycle license, but he, there was just something about it. The way that the questions that he asked made me, <laughs> made me realize maybe hesitant. And I just had a strong caution in my, in my spirit, uh, in my conscience, yeah. uh, if you will. Uh, that I should not, you know, give him the keys and let him do it. And he, and of course he wrote it and he wrecked it and <laughs> it all ended up just fine, but he didn't, thank God he didn't get hurt. Right, right. But you know, he, he caused several hundred dollars of damage into the motorcycle and, um, and he made good on all that and it worked out fine. But I mean, it just, and I've, what did it, he do? Do you know what he did? Do you like? Hit a tree or something? Or hit I a car? think he panicked and he gave it gas when he meant to not, and he and he went through an intersection and jumped a curb and hit a retainer wall. <laughs> so, oh man! But but and that's that that all ended up fine. But I also had and that you know, person I, was Andy Gridley. You know, <laughs> no. I also told the story of you know how I was um, at a church and I had the strongest sense that the the church was choosing the wrong man as their new pastor. But I didn't feel like it was my place to say anything about it. Mm. 
Well, um, I know that story because you, you shared it, but you weren't the only one who felt that way. No, Dana felt that way too. And so you two were in concert. Oh, we were in, we were in harmony here about this. Um, and that should have pricked, that should have, you know. You should have said something. I, I should have. I regret wow. to this day that I didn't say something because it ended up poorly. And, um, and so the guy And did- listen, this, this, you know, my life is full of hundreds of decisions where I knew the right thing to do and I had a sense what to do. And I just pushed that sense, that conscience yeah. to the side and I bought the thing or I watched the thing or I said the thing um, or I went to the thing and, and, and you know, over and over, there, there, if I wanted to, I could fill pages and pages of my journal with sure. just bad decisions that, not bad decisions that were just bad because I didn't have enough information, bad be- decisions because I went against my conscience. Yeah. Well, you you helped me with this one because although you operate on your gut, one of the things that I realized was one of my operating systems is I don't say anything because it's just weird. Like, I don't want to tell the guy, hey, listen, I know you came here to buy my motorcycle and test drives are actually part of what it means to buy a motorcycle, but I don't trust you and I have a weird sense I shouldn't, so I'm not going to let you. That's weird. That's a weird sentence to say. Yeah. And, and one of the things that like you talk about do you you talked early on we were, we were meeting earlier in the year and you would say um say the whole hundred the hundred percent hundred percent truth yeah not 90 percent truth yeah I cut out on the last 10 because it's weird it's like it's yeah. getting into the uncomfortable and so what I do is I don't have the courage to say what I know I need to say that would actually be truthful and the whole hundred percent. Because it's weird. It might make people feel bad, or I might be wrong. And so instead of saying the yeah, whole but, 100, I only say 90. I agree. But but um, what helps me in that is there are ways to say it that leave room and, and kind of diminish some of the weird. For example, if I would have just said to him, look, bro, before you you know you go on this motorcycle, we understand it's, it's worth a lot of money, and... Um, if you wreck it or do any damage to it in any way, you're going to have to pay for it, right? We agree with that, right? And then he would say, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. And then now it's now it's not, you know, that's not that weird that's to say something that like that. That's not that weird. Or to say, you know what, man, I'm, I'm, are you sure you can handle this? Have you ridden a motorcycle with this much horsepower? Can I just ride it for you and... and and demonstrate to you that it runs good or something there. Or if, you know, if it's, if it's a disagreement that we have, I can say, you know, I could be wrong. Right. But I, my sense is that, that, that I'm, this I'm, is yeah, going, you yeah, know, so you, yeah. you, you, you couch it with, you, you don't humility. Say, you couch you, it with humility. Yeah. You don't, you don't say God has told me to tell you <laughs> that you must do this. Sure. I mean, it's all kinds of weird there. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, even if you're right, it's weird. Even if you just say, listen, I have a weird sense inside that, you know, there's some tension in between us. You've said that to people. I feel like there's tension in between us. Is there something funky? You talk about leaning into the funkiness. And oftentimes it's cowardice that we that makes us ignore that that funky that that conscience. Yeah, let me share. I think it's okay for me to share this story with my me and my son. Um most people that are listening would know that my son really doesn't want anything to do with the church this time in his life. And mm. I, I went to him recently and I just said, dude, do you think I'm crazy? I mean, I got to ask you something. And, and I said, you must think I'm crazy because I, I think I hear voices. I think God uses the scriptures and other people to really guide my life. I think he helps direct me. Do you think I'm crazy whack? I mean, 
how do you process the fact that your father, yeah, you know, is involved in processes that you don't you don't think? And I said, do you think I'm just crazy? And I and it took him a long time to answer, and and there was a there was a very awkward delay, and then he said, no, I don't I don't think you're crazy. I just think you have a I think you have a set of convictions. And you live your life according to those convictions as if they were true. I don't know if they're true or not, but they, but they're true for, they seem to be true for you. And so even people that disagree with us, I share that story only to say, even mm. people that disagree with us, if we're consistent and we're humble and we're loving and kind, yeah, there's room for dialogue still, even yeah. in the strangest situations. So right. and I just think the adventure that God is inviting us on, that... We could be small expressions of God's kindness and grace in people's lives as our conscience or as the Spirit prompts us into those things. Yeah. Just simple things. I, I, as everybody knows now, after the pocket knife sermon <laughs> illustration a couple of weeks ago, yeah. I carry pocket knives. And one time recently, just months ago, I was with a guy and I shared, I sh- for some reason I pulled out my pocket knife. He was fascinated with it and I gave it to him. I, I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I didn't intend to give it to him. You, I didn't want to give it to him. Right, I right. just thought I was supposed to. Yeah. And I don't know what that means, but I hope it was a great encouragement to him. It seemed to be Right, way more than what the pocket knife cost, or was worth to you. You know, if yeah. you, if you're sitting across from somebody and you thought, "Gosh, a, a twenty dollar bill," or a, a, you know, yeah, and I don't mean to put a value on it, but if, sure, it's just not much more. What, what's a used pocket knife worth? Yeah, you know, I guess it could be worth a lot, but this particular one wasn't. And I, I, I just think what an adventure to be an instrument of grace to, in people's lives as we, and I think the conscience which really is the manifestation of the Spirit of God in us. As Christians. Us, as, as Christians. Christians. Yeah. It's baptized conscience it's, with all His yes, Spirit. Yes, yeah. it's redeemed yeah. conscience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleansed uh, and, and, and active. And yeah. I, I just think that that force in us, if we'll learn to pay attention to it, um, will we'll make us an instrument of great grace. And and when the tension comes, if we'll pay attention to the tension, we it will stop. save us great yeah. heartache. It can stop us. It, yeah. it will save us great heartache yeah it's interesting what i wonder what percentage of your conscience as you even as you look at your life right now is stop and what is which percentage is go and do because for me as i pay attention more it's more go and do and less stop oh okay well i think i can help with this if your personality is one that is an activist by nature then probably your conscience is more stop because you're guilty more of sins of commission than omission. Huh. It's more, you know, I'm, I'm always more sorry for the things I said than the things I didn't say. Yeah. Now, uh, I won't throw you under the bus, but I know my wife well enough to know that she's more a person of contemplation and slower to speak and slower to act. Yeah. And so her, her sin is um, generally more sins of omission and so her, I would guess that her conscience or the spirit of God's promptings yeah. are more go. So I think it could be either. Yeah. Um, and I think based on you can you can actually figure this out if you're an activist by nature or, or yeah. an extrovert, and you tend to talk before your brain engages. <laughs> you, that if those things are true of you, then you're probably your conscience is 
um, is more of a stop, slow down, think about this before you say it. I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's if it's one sins yeah. of omission instead of commission, yeah, then it's probably one of of go, speak up. Yeah, we you ended with um, a verse from um, I think it was from Paul about how he he uh, he strives. Yes. Um, in Acts. It, yeah. Uh, it, um, I was trying to remember the verse. Acts twenty four sixteen. Yeah. And I was also, I was reminded, there. Um, <laughs> there's that really funny moment in um, in the book of Acts when um, Peter and, no, it's Paul and Barnabas are, they're, they're going, through, and these people in, in the city start worshiping as gods. And they're like, no, 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 no. And they call like Paul Hermes because he talks and they call... Um, Barnabas Zeus because you know he's powerful and he's like no 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 we're not gods we're just like we're mortals yeah and then they start talking about the beauty of Christ uh, it's so often because so often I think of those guys as like superheroes like Paul and Peter and and they're like superheroes like God talked to them in ways that are different than us like the same Holy Spirit isn't in both of us I mean they had like a triple or quadruple or nine tuple portion and they're fundamentally different humans than us um, or me but what they're trying to say is the same spirit that speaks and guides and heals and hopes is available to you like right now. And as we're, you know, and, and Paul even says it, and you kind of ended this way, I strive to like hear this, to hear this. Yeah, that he, I don't, it's so funny. It just shows you how different perspectives are, can both be right. Um, I don't mean to say that you're wrong, but I never think about Paul Especially, I never think about Peter as a superhero. Um, I think of them both as incredibly normal. And the beauty of the adventure of following Christ is that every day he is doing supernatural things through just normal, ordinary people. Right, right. He's doing extraordinary things through the ordinary. And um, one of the ways he invites us into that journey I think is learning to listen to, to your conscience as the Spirit of God guides it um, to gu- to guard you uh, certainly from bad mistakes and to guide you into to guard and guide. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, but Paul does say, "I strive." Meaning yeah, I haven't got it all together. It's practice. It's work. Yeah, it's and that's work. that's encouraging. If Paul says, "I have to work at this," then that's good news. You know, that means that I can work at it and get better too. You know, I can take time and listening. Is there any practical things that has helped you learn to listen to both the Holy Spirit, but, you know, develop that um, a little bit better? Um, Just practical I, stuff for I folks. Think, yeah, I think that um, you have to take a risk. So... Um, you may sense that the Spirit is guiding you into something, and, and it might not go quite as well as you think. And I've got some pretty funny stories of where I thought I thought the Spirit was asking me to do some things, and they were not well-received. And it, it obviously was just, you know, a bad burrito, or, you know, I just had a didn't get enough sleep the night before. It, it's, you know, it, but there's a lot of grace. If you, if you come at it in a humble situation and say, you know, I might be wrong in this, but, right, right, you right. know— um, then you, you just, you just kind of say, you know, I, 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 the worst thing I could do is to just say, well, since it didn't go what worked that one time, I'm never going to take a chance again. I, th- 
I would never extend myself lovingly towards other people because someone treated me meanly. Yeah. I mean, right? Who's yeah. going to do that? I, I, I'm kind to someone. I'm kind to the Uber driver, but the Uber driver's a jerk. And so I'm never going to be kind to Uber drivers again. Well, that's stupid. I mean, you just you just give the guy a little grace and say, yeah, he's having a bad day. Or maybe he's a jerk, but not all Uber drivers are jerks. So I'm going to extend grace to others. Um, you do the same thing with your conscience. You might say in your own, in your own conscience, you know, send that guy a note. And um, I send him a little email and the dude never responds. Okay. It wasn't about me. It wasn't never about me anyway. It was about listening. It was about listening. And obeying. And there was a certain amount of joy that, that, you know, I, God, I don't know if I got it right, but I, but I tried to. Yeah. You know, when, when my grandkids come to me and, um, you know, I've given them a task to do and they come back and they failed, but they failed not because of rebellion. They failed because of a lack of skill or knowledge or maturity or strength. They're just not big enough to carry the lawnmower, you know, but they wanted to, they, they really wanted to. I'm never angry at that. And a loving father is so much better than that. How would he, if he looks down on his kids and say, wow, they're, you know, they're trying, man, they they get it wrong a lot, Yeah. but man, they're trying, right? They're trying. And, and I'm proud of them for it. Right. I think I'll give them more opportunity. It's a heart posture of wanting to be the kind of people who listen to God's voice. Yeah. And that is just a beautiful thing. I agree. Yeah, and that that's what we're all trying to become more of. May it be so. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Steve, thanks for your time. And uh, for those of you out there making decisions big and small, we pray that your conscience would uh, arrest you if it's the bad move that you'd listen to that. And conversely, that you're, you'd listen to your conscience when it's moving you to, uh, to God's guiding you toward to do something that would bring... Um, good things into the world. So thanks, Steve. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford for stopping by. Join me next week where we go into the fourth of five questions, the question about maturity. Andy Gridley and Jay Kim will be joining me in the studio. And although the topic is maturity, I guarantee we're going to be pretty immature at some point. So join us next week for that one, and we'll see you next week.